Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Taishar Manethrin, a Wheel of Time podcast. I, as always, am Will. I'm Sam. We're excited to bring to you another show update. This one is going to be quick because we don't have a lot of new information since last month. This week's Wheel of Time Wednesday was not altogether that newsy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Did you get to see it, Sam? Yeah, yeah. Checked it out and it's like... Is that, is that it? I mean, that's cool. I'm glad, but we're spoiled after last month. For those of you who didn't see, uh, Michael McLatton was confirmed as Tam Althor, which was not a huge surprise. For one thing, he was in the video last month and people had already noticed him. For another thing, there weren't too many roles he could have been playing if we're looking right, at just right. the first couple of episodes. In yeah, we talked about it when, when, when we saw him in the video. And, and thinking back, it's like, yeah, there were other characters in the two rivers that he might have played but it's like nah the more i think about it he pretty much has to be tam i mean of the available characters he's you know other than maybe abel coffin or something so it it made sense and i'm excited to see him in that role uh very different from his character on game of thrones kind of playing against (laughs) (laughs) like basically the opposite of the type that we're used to which for folks who mainly know Rosamund Pike from like Gone Girl, I guess that's kind of the same thing there. She's playing Moraine, a very calm and, and composed, non-psychopathic killer type person. <laughs> right. Michael um, McLeod is, is not playing this scheming, conniving man who backstabs his liege lord instead of exactly. a, a nice father figure. Right. Yeah. Assuming that they are maintaining consistency with the book, Tam Which they is, better. <laughs> right. Yes. Especially in the case of Tam. Tam yeah. is, is in one way, he kind of subverts some tropes because, and, and this is a tiny bit of a spoiler, but only for the very beginning of Eye of the World. And if you haven't read at least that much, then I'm what shocked are we doing that you're, here? you're uh, like <laughs> listening. Hi, mom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they they subvert the trope of of the father figure dying right off the beginning, and and so Tam does play a role later on because of that, right. and he yeah, becomes the, uh, the joke is that he has this major role in the first season, then we will, we'll see him again around season ten nine, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, disappears for a while, but he does come back. We won't see a whole lot of him, you know, the first season or two or maybe three if they, depending upon how they right. split up the books and everything. But we'll be excited to see him utilized. And we will talk, be talking about him shortly in The Shadow Rising. Absolutely, we will be. So if you want to hear us talk about the character of Tam for a little bit, make sure to join us for next week, which that segues nicely into a little bit of housekeeping business about our podcast. We got a lot of of helpful feedback over several different surveys, which the survey is always open. It's still available. If you want to anonymously tell us how much we're bad at this, you can do that Please. at tsmpodcast.com and look for the survey link there. One of our survey bits of feedback was that they actually wanted to have more of the podcast released more often. Another ah. one was that it was a little bit too long. So taking both those into account, We're going to look at kind of separating out our podcast into shorter segments and release them more often. So we're going to try. 
we're going to try. We'll see what happens according to <laughs> um, mainly my schedule, but we're going to try to have a weekly show at least for through the end of the year. Um, we should be able to pull that off. So heck yeah, and and shorter segments on that. So you'll be getting uh, um, a little bit less, but uh, each each week you'll be getting um, some. And the the good thing about that, you know, with with us adopting that format for the Shadow Rising, is that that is a book where a lot of things happen. I mean, you know, just looking at the first half, I mean, you know, say it's like five hundred pages, and like there are so many things that <laughs> happen. So it'll be yeah. easy for us to you know spend thirty minutes and you know going diving into a few chapters and still actually cover some ground because it's not like right. say the slog later on where things don't happen as you know, yeah. rapidly. There's a lot of stuff yeah. that happens in this book. Yeah. And uh, for those who are wondering how we're going to cover the slog, it'll be much more quickly than we cover <laughs> the rest of these books. <laughs> for I sure. suspect for sure. by the time we get to that. Uh, but that's a ways away yet. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it'll Some get good books between. And as Sam and I both said, I, we're both fans of the books and the slog. It's, Definitely. Uh, it just goes a little slower than the rest of the series. So, I wanted to also give a couple of quick shout outs to a few of our listeners. We have recently launched a Instagram account. And if you haven't found us on Instagram yet, it's podcast TSM is our Instagram and a Twitter account. That's also podcast TSM. So you can follow us on there. And we are also on Facebook. So uh, you can just look for us, Ty Sharma, Ethra, and a Wheel of Time podcast, or also at Podcast TSM. So look for all of those. Follow us on the Facebooks, the Twitters, the, the Instagrams, uh, whatever the kids are into. So first off on Instagram, if you're not following us on Instagram, we mainly put out some memes related to Wheel of Time. Occasionally we'll do clips from one of the episodes uh, or updates on the show or whatever. On uh, one of the memes we had user Mike R. Labs say, love your page and podcast. That was just such a nice little oh, thing to say. I said, cool. shucks, man, we'll just have to give you a shout out on the X next episode. So Mike Labs, thank you for saying such nice things about us. You have so, inspired me to get an Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Sam's on Instagram now. So um, there you go. The other one, we got a message from Facebook user Hugh. He is from Australia. And I really thought hard about reading this message with an Australian accent. But then I figured seeing as I'm definitely not going to sound legit to a real Australian, I decided not to embarrass myself. <laughs> so he says, hi guys, huge fan from Australia here, loving the podcast and absolutely stoked about the upcoming TV show. Hoping for the best anyway. Just <laughs> wanted to say that I read The Eye of the World for the first time as a 13-year-old way back in 1994 and was instantly hooked. I can still remember the agony of waiting for the next book to come out and also loving the opportunity to reread the series each time. I've read The Eye of the World at least a dozen times. was absolutely stoked with Sanderson's work finishing the series, but I also was devastated that a very real chapter of my life was finished. 
Anyway, keep up the great work. So thank you, Hugh. Wow, Hugh, you read each one of them as they came out and had to deal with that weight for every book. That is yeah. that is impressive, sir. I, I did that for, I mean, probably the pet, the last six or seven, and that was like <laughs> bad enough, but I can't imagine from the very beginning. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that it's, is impressive. It's really because I read them after they all came out, and I, I've said this before, I am totally Johnny come lately. For our listeners who have been reading the book since they came out, I can't identify with that because I got to listen to them on audiobook <laughs> back to back to back to back. Right, right. And that was awesome. I can't imagine what it would have been like I remember just absolutely not remembering, like picking up the book and be like, I'm so stoked for this. And then reading the prologue and be like, oh, what is happening? And it took like, and you know, this was really before there was a lot of wikis and, and, you know, there were summaries online, but I would, and I would, you know, maybe I would pick up the last one and read the last chapter or something, but it would still take me a good four or five chapters to really go, okay, I'm into this. I know what's happening, especially because, I mean, I was like eagerly awaiting winter's heart, you know, right (laughs) in the midst of the slog, but it's still like, I didn't know it was the slog then, you know, I was like really excited for it. And, and I loved reading it, but it was very much like that. Like, okay, why was I excited for this again? What, (laughs) what is it? What's happening? Who's, who is where, you know, sort of thing. And just like the, you know, to nowadays with, with game of Thrones, books and, and such. It's the same exact kind of feeling as the people waiting for George R. R. Martin to put out the winds of winter. Sure. Yeah, it's just funny to, to think about for me, as like I said, as a person who immediately went from one book to another, having to read Crossroads of Twilight and then wait after that. <laughs> yes, I mean, yes. I didn't think about that at the time, yeah. but looking back after having finished the series... I would have had a hard time not being like, what a jerk, Jordan. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, especially because he says, like it said in his uh, in his bit bi- biography at the end of the, or the blurb at the end of the book of like about him, he says he intends to continue writing until they nail his coffin shut. <laughs> and about, about did it too. Yeah, sure enough. To me, this this news tops the Wheel of Time Wednesday because it was personally exciting. But we're on Reddit. There's a TSM podcast Reddit account that uh, occasionally will put memes up on Wetlander humor. On the Wheel of Time show, r slash WOT show uh, subreddit, somebody posed the question, does anybody know how much money is in the Wheel of Time series? Because there's been a lot of talk about it being expensive. There's haven't been any numbers around they've of course the lord of the rings series also being produced i think is just in pre-production now another series another season of uh carnival row i'm sure not to mention not to mention the boys i mean there's a lot of i mean big dollar shows yeah a lot of money being thrown around so i mentioned that brandon sanderson has commented on amazon spending an appropriate amount of money on the show based on his visits to the set. Now, Brandon Sanderson is active on Reddit. Oh, yeah, Mistborn. Yes, so I tagged him in it when I read it. I said... Flash you, Mistborn, yeah. And was delighted. He jumped in and replied. Nice! He said, I don't know exact numbers, but it really does look good to me. I got a very high production quality vibe from the sets. The final product, however, will be the real measure. So... 
We got a little bit of contact there from Brandon Sanderson himself. Should ask him to be on the show. <laughs> yes. I, I thought about it, but I, I didn't want to press my oh, luck. Oh, yeah. No, I hear you. Just keep uh, keep on posting. <laughs> my comment back, though, and uh, he didn't reply to this, but was, wait, are you saying we should watch something before we make a decision about the quality of it? That's just crazy talk right there. <laughs> Love it. And then I, I wrote under that, on the serious, thanks for the reply. I'll be talking about this on my podcast for a few years. <laughs> no doubt. Yes. Remember that one time that Brandon Sanderson replied on Reddit? And it may be the only thing. I may have spent my one opportunity to get an answer from Brandon Sanderson. Right. Apparently, he's fairly active, though. Right. I've yeah, seen, I've, I've seen him post before, for sure. Yeah. It sounds like he doesn't really hold back on anything that if he can uh, talk about it, he's going to talk about it in regards to the show. Heck yeah. That outside of like non-disclosure agreement stuff. So that was to me about the most exciting thing that happened in the (laughs) relative to the show. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. So beyond that, little bits have trickled out on the Daily Trollic subreddit. There is a post with some photos of what appears to be a cottage that may have been destroyed by Trollocs. Can't be sure if this is something, as uh, Narg explains. Narg likes to hear his name on our podcast, Narg tells me. so. <laughs> Very good. Narg says, uh, can't be sure this is uh, for Wheel of Time, but it's in Prague. And Narg, pretty sure it's from Carnival Row or Wheel of Time. Uh, looking at the photo, and you can see this on the Daily Trollic subreddit, it really looks like something would, that would go with the Wheel of Time. It's uh, more of that era rather than the kind of Victorian, industrial, yeah, yeah, right, kind of stuff. So, um, cool. It's a destroyed cottage, so you get a little taste maybe of the set there. It looks very high quality as far as the attention to detail and everything. Just a couple of photos, though. Nothing too newsy out of that. Uh, A little more interesting, there is a nighttime shot of what looks like a ferry crossing. Cool. uh, Hey, Turn Ferry. Yeah, Turn Ferry. Not not a whole lot of info out of that one either, but you just get another little tiny tidbit. Beyond that, we haven't had a whole lot of new information. As they continue to shoot scenes, uh, particularly the larger scenes, occasionally they'll be casting calls for groups of people. Um, There was one that came out that said they're looking for teenagers the age of 16 to 18, ideally ethnic types, uh, Asians, African, Indians, uh, both boys and girls. So I'm kind of wondering what scene that might be if we're thinking of like the first couple of books. You know, you think about the fact that Emmons Fielders are are going to be um, more ethnic. um, Sure. Then it could just be you know, in Emmons Field. Yeah. Villagers kind of. Yeah, it could be. I suspect, though, that we're we're out of the first couple of episodes and probably. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so, yes, we're after perhaps after they've left Emmons Field. Yeah. And it might just be that they are looking for folks to fill in and in Camelin or. Barillon. Yeah. Tarvalon, any of these kind of large 
larger set pieces with lots of people could be going on there. A few weeks ago, they wrapped up a week of night shoots, according to some reports. And that, of course, is could be anything. The, the Likely the fleeing from the two rivers sure. is taking place mostly at night. So that is, there's a lot of stuff that will happen at night in these books. So yeah, uh, for that sure. doesn't, it doesn't honestly doesn't tell us a whole lot, but then they took a few days off because we got some Instagram posts from all of them kind of showing what they were doing with their time off. Rafe was in Paris. I actually uh, posted kind of a question of what might they be shooting in Paris? Most people said, oh, they're not shooting anything in Paris. Rafe is just taking some time off, which it seems like that was the case. Yeah. But I did kind of wonder because of the photo he took had kind of a garden, palace garden kind of look to it. Ah, if if it was Camelin, perhaps. Yeah, maybe it was Camelin. I don't know that that's likely, but as especially as um, one of our listeners pointed out that there were no sheep herders in the photo. <laughs> so that had jumped over a wall. Right, right. The, the least effective palace wall in the history of palace walls. Sure seems um, that way. Um, so those are, those are little bits that have trickled out other than the big one about the Tam casting. At this point, is there anything in the first couple of episodes, Sam, that you're just really excited to see? Looking in the, these first two books, there's a couple of scenes that... I, I can think of that I'm excited to see. The later books, I get more and more excited about. Oh, yeah, honest. totally. Yeah, there's in the book we're going to discuss this week, there's so many scenes. I'm like, oh, I really, this is going to be really cool. I hope they get to this. But yeah, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of that that's like, well, man, that's like thousands of pages in. Like, I hope they get there. You know, I hope it goes well. But yeah, maybe in the first book, I just can't wait to see uh, Rand talk to a Trolloc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just right. that whole fight scene see what Murdral look like of course see moraine do her thing with the one power while fighting shadow spawn all the right. all those things in the first first few chapters will be really fun and it'll also be a good measuring stick for the feel of the show is yes it exactly going to be really high quality as far as all of those things go how you know are, are we gonna be going for more of a, a a dark tone or is it going to be a little more measured i th i think that's a lot of the questions out there and i see a lot of kind of back and forth yeah you could about, you could 100 percent see them going either either direction really I mean, right. And I, I mean, I'm not thinking it needs to be like super light family friendly exactly. But at the same time, the there's a, a lot of ways in which the book we've talked about this before. Right. The books have opportunities to go more grimdark and they don't. Yeah. And so when people say, oh, it needs to have this kind of dark, gritty feel, I just I. I'm not 100% with that because I feel like that's not true to the tone of the books. There's moments for sure where things get yeah, dark right. and, and, of course, places where you could have some real gory violence or, or, or splashes of some real darkness. But the overall tone of the book is fairly hopeful and it doesn't get into the kind of detail or really the, the – frankly the kind of the gross kind of right, stuff right. that you have any in, of in that like would of would happen off screen and on the and of course it's like i know people don't want us to get off topic too much but on the subject of game of thrones it again is the 800 pound gorilla in the room we have to at least address yeah. it and and the thing i think about is the fact that benioff and weiss 
tended to lean into the gratuitous violence, nudity, grim, dark kind of stuff beyond right. what George R. R. Martin did. And so, and, and you look at yeah. how successful Game of Thrones was, and you could see how Amazon might be interested in trying to do that. Now, I, right, hope, they, exactly. I hope they don't. I don't want them to do to the Wheel of Time what Benioff and Weiss honestly did to to Game of Thrones, even though Game of Thrones certainly had plenty of that in the books as well. Right. It was it, definitely not to the level of detail uh, that is in the show at all. Yeah, well, and it's a good point to say that the ex, there existed in the source material with Game of Thrones a level of sexuality and violence sure. and everything that did lean in the direction of you know, certainly... You could say the, it's in the DNA, maybe sure. more so. Yeah, but you don't really see that as much in uh, The Wheel of Time. Like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to downplay the fact that you do have some dark moments right. and you do have some kind of adult kind of themes and, and, and topics throughout the plot, but yep. it's not the way that the overall tone of the, the books works, yeah, at least I, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that, 100%. I saw... If, uh, post about this a little while ago. I I think people were kind of making a bigger deal about it than maybe really was intended. But there were two added crew members to the IMDb page, and one of them especially is mainly known for being an intimacy coordinator. Ah. Uh, what, what is an intimacy coordinator? <laughs> you ask. That's a heck of a specialization. Yes, it's exactly what it sounds like, and. So some folks are wondering if this means that we're going to get some intimate moments in the show and what what does that mean and everything. Well, for one thing, if we're still if we're talking about season one, there really not a lot in season one. Yeah, yeah or in the in, first in book. the first couple of books, right? There's not really much opportunity for that if they're if they're staying true to the books. And so, right, I, I think we should all be hopeful that this doesn't mean that the two folks are Yarrett Dor and Enric um, Ortuno, and Enric really mostly does fight coordination, and. Yarrett Dorr on her Twitter account is listed as both an intimacy coordinator and a, a fight coordinator. They both work for the same company that handles <laughs> any kind of movement oriented choreography gotcha, and everything. Gotcha. So now there's no doubt that Yarrett Dorr, uh, according to her IMDb, definitely specializes in intimacy coordination. I see this as a good thing regardless because if there is anything happening, the position of intimacy coordinator's job really is to make sure that everything's on the up and up on set. And to me, it indicates um, a, a certain amount of decorum yeah. that and professionalism that I, I hope is representative of a healthy working environment for the cast and crew. For sure. Because that to me says that uh, you're not as likely to end up with Me Too stories coming right. out of this later on. Yeah. I mean, like we've we've talked about about this to some degree throughout the books we've we've talked about so far the fact that there is nudity and oftentimes it it's described in a way that seems unnecessary like it just doesn't add anything to the scene having said that it is in the source material and it right. would be an explicit decision to not include it uh, yeah. you know so that you could definitely you know sort of intimacy aside the just random you know moments of nudity are in the books and so it's a real real question about 
what direction they're going to go. Sure. You know, given given the other genre shows that are out there, the other genre shows that Amazon has put out themselves have nudity. So it really is, you know, an open question. It's possible. Yeah, for it's sure. Possible. It is. It is. And then that, you know, for better or worse, that's, you know, there's there's a lot of TV out, out these days that sort of has that as part of their, I don't know, strategy or whatever you want to yeah. call it. Well, and I guess um, as the question often is, it'll come down to what audience they are really targeting. For sure. Yeah. You know, you don't see you don't see that certainly in like, you know, Netflix kid shows. <laughs> right. And I I don't think it would be unwise to consider trying to include a little bit of a wider audience than you're getting with, say, a Carnival Row. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you look at like. For example, the Marvel movies don't have, you know, nudity left and right either. You sure. know? So they're they're yeah. clearly catering to a wider audience. Star Wars movies. Right. So there is absolutely yeah. an argument to be made for saying, yeah. ah, that's not an important piece of the story. Let's just skip it. Well, yeah, I think, of course, you can always have those components without sure. things yeah. getting out of hand. Just because you don't have things explicit doesn't mean that you're not still getting across the emotion. I think it's a totally valid point. It just makes me think of The Empire Strikes Back, the like the original versus the special editions. Uh, in, right. in, in Hoth, you know, the... Uh, uh, Wampa. The Wampa that takes uh, Luke hostage, or not hostage is the wrong word. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, ca- no, hostage, him. yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining the Wampa with like a gun to his head, like, give me all your money. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in the original, you don't see it almost at all. And it's it's just better. Whereas there's a lot of things in the special editions where they make them more explicit using CG, etc. That it that just sort of takes away from from the initial kind of power of the scene. And I, and I think that you know that's definitely the the type of thing you're talking about. As anybody who is is a student of cinema will tell you, when it comes to horror, you not showing the monster is the best thing you can do for making something creepy. When you show the monster, it almost always ruins it. And so if you right. can avoid you think like seeing the, the thing Jaws is is the one that always comes to mind. And in even more recently you have Bird Box is a great example of a movie you never see the the monster. And that's kind of the point. Right. And that makes it all the more terrifying. Now, some people may hate Bird Box. Ah, I thought it was a good time. I mean, it had its problems, certainly, but uh, it was almost unavoidable that that sort of thing could, would have problems. I mean, it's... (laughs) Yeah, the the premise has its limitations, for sure. But anyway, my, my point being that just because a show isn't explicitly showing something doesn't mean that it is somehow not adult, that it's not telling the truth about its source material or something. I, I, I just, I disagree with people that tend to think like, Oh, well it's not for adults if it doesn't have X kind of content. Yeah. That's nonsense. Let me tell you, most BBC shows don't have that content, and they're not for kids. Oh man, that's true. I've been uh, <laughs> yeah. Rachel and I, or Rachel and I, I've just been kind of sitting there while she's watching Call the Midwife, and oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about a show not for kids that's just depressing, but also yeah. you know sweet at times. <laughs> Having said all this, we're, we're just going to have to see. It's yeah. like Brandon Sanderson says. Sure. I mean, we, 
you know, I think it's interesting that every time he comments on the show, he always leaves that little caveat on, which is, hey, we're just going to have to wait and see how the show turns out before we make our judgments. Even a guy who's been to set and been involved in advising on the script and everything, he's just advising everybody to just wait and see. And no matter what happens, there are going to be plenty of people on Twitter who don't care for most things, who are going to have problems with the result. And so those people, I say, no matter what, this show is or isn't, it will not take away the books from you ever. The right. books will always be there for you to come back and reread them as many times as you want and to think about them however you want. And you can love or hate yeah. the show. New versions of things we love don't destroy the things we love. Sequels to things we love don't destroy the things we love. It's just new attempts at, yes, probably making money right but for sure also you have to respect that there is, are people who are um, creative and and putting their heart and soul into these things and whether or not it ends up being any good it doesn't mean that it was all doesn't mean that uh, the people involved with it were evil intended if even if the show is terrible if it brings more attention to the wheel of time the books exactly. which or something i love I, right. I love I like that about it. I mean, this is, you know, it's given us an excuse, not not that we needed one, but to say, yeah, I'm going to go back and reread these and talk about it some more, you know, and right. And I think that there's something to be said for that, no matter how the show turns out, although I am optimistic. That's our update. Like I said, we don't know a lot more, but just a few little bits and pieces here and there. If Again, as always, if you enjoy the show, please rate us. Give us a share on your social media. Give us a, a like. Email us. We love to hear from you. Stuff at tsmpodcast.com or will at tsmpodcast.com or sam at tsmpodcast.com. All of those get to us. You can also tweet at us at um, podcast tsm. Talk to us on Instagram, whatever. If you have theories or things that you want to discuss, we like to discuss those too. So just let us know. And then join us next week as we follow Rand and friends into the waste. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is a really great book. I love I'm it. I can't wait to talk about yeah, it. I think Daniel Green, who's one of the main YouTubers about Wheel of Time and everything, he, I think, may have ranked this one in like top tier as far as the books go. And I, I, I tend to agree. Yeah, it's, it's so much good stuff. So much. You get so much awesome backstory, so many cool flashbacks and, and just so much stuff happens. And it's just a blast. So looking forward to going through that with you. Well, until next time, Sam. Tysha Armanetherin.